Hello! To the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Lock it in. Yes, sir. That's Norman Locke, host of the morning lock in. Joining me in studio this week as he does every single Thursday. Check out his show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Norm, I got to be honest with you. Last week, the NFL picks... The games were easy. Yeah, there weren't too many. I think the only we both had the Bengals. We were wrong. We both had the Saints. We were wrong. Bengals almost won. And I had the Colts, and you had the Vikings. Yeah. And other than that, the rest of them were we were kind of just we had all the same picks. They won all the games. This week it's a little a little more. They got some. I'm in a survivor league, and it's like I am overthinking everything when I'm looking at these picks. Like, uh oh, uh oh. Um, but you know. The hardest matchup to me is that Ravens Chiefs. Like I, I just can't decide right now. It's like, just flip a coin, pick one. Man, we got a lot to get into today, guys. The, uh, you know, as we've said many times, and I've talked to Coach Napier and others many times about it. The team that is able to manage COVID the best, there are some things you can do to prevent it, and sometimes it's just going to get you, no matter. How many safety precautions you take? But the team that manages it the best is probably going to have the best chance to win the most games this year. That's true in college football. That's true in the NFL. And in college football, this week, for the Raging Cajuns, they will be tested. I don't mean tested. They've already all been tested. I mean they will be tested for the amount of players that will be out due to COVID-19. Um, you know, we we were talking to Coach Napier last night, Norm, on a Zoom call and right out the gate. See, Get on the Zoom call about 6, but he didn't join us till about 6.20. Sure. Yeah. And at some point in there, I mean, I'm running around trying to keep my kids from screaming. At some point in there, they sent out the depth chart. So I hadn't looked at it because I'm just I'm staring at my computer waiting for him to come on. So he gets asked about Elijah Mitchell pretty early on. And and when he can't, he can't say a player has COVID or a player is out for COVID reasons, whether that be a positive test or contact tracing. HIPAA violations, right? You can't do it. But if he's not hurt, so it's like, what does he say? All he can say is, look at the depth chart. So right <laughs> out of the gate, he's like, you guys have a depth chart. Look at it. And I'm like, oh, wait, they must have sent it. So now I'm looking at my email, and I'm looking at it, and I start looking at it. I'm like, man, there are there are a number of guys who are not on this list right now. And on the flip side for Georgia Southern, I talked to their play-by-play man, Danny Reed, yesterday. This was a team – that was without a third of their roster in week people. one. And now the you know, the um the consensus for the most part, at least according to the folks I've talked to there, is that they at this moment in time, granted the game's still, you know, two days away, at this moment in time, they anticipate having the majority of their roster. So it hit them early. Now it's starting to hit the Cajuns, and here's where we're at, Norm. We got Elijah Mitchell, you got Max Mitchell, the right tackle. You got big sauce, Taylor Humphrey, the nose guard, who's the strongest player on the team. You have Joe Dillon, who is, you know, an all-conference player. You got A.J. Washington, who uh, missed last week, was great against Iowa State. You have your primary backup quarterback 
in Ave Magali, and then you have your defensive lineman Sonny Hazard. Those are all Cajuns who are contributors. Yeah, I mean, and some are major contributors. Um, Chris Moncrief is is listed as out with an injury. Dante Fleming, the freshman receiver, is questionable with an injury. So you know you've got some. Whew, it is. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think they're the better team, but when you start taking all those players away, Norm, I haven't looked at the line yet. Uh, it was 13 and a half. I think it opened at like 16 and a half, which to me is crazy, but it might have changed here in the last uh, 12 hours. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, you know, who has the most complete roster when it's time to get to the end of the season. But I think, you know, game by game, it's, it's, it's going to start affecting different teams just because – uh, the players have to quarantine for 14, 14 days from the minute that they're fine to have be positive or have contact tracing. So you could be without a star player for two games and miss two, you know, two key games, and then have them back for the rest of the season until we find out that you, you know, we don't know if you could catch it again. But you know, it seems as if you know coaches want their players to get it early. And wait to well, they probably don't want them to get it get, at all. Get right. it at all. Just to be clear, it's okay. Well, I wouldn't say it's okay, but they will rather them get it now than the end of the season have injuries pile on with inactives due to COVID. It's uh, it's wild, man. Um, what a what a crazy season! What yeah, a crazy season! It is. It, it's going to be a crazy season. You know, um, with traveling, you never know where the guys get it from because it's not like they're doing anything out of the normal that they haven't been doing. Um, but, you know, when you open up to yourself to traveling to Georgia and getting back, you might stop to get food or you might use the toilet on the airplane or something. You know, it's you never know. You never know. There's so much unknown with it. It is, uh, it is a tough time, and I know that, you know, they're going to deal with it. I mean, that's where they're at. They're not going to uh, postpone the game, um, but – Looking at that depth chart, man. And you can read more about it over at ESPN1420.com. We got plenty in store for you there. We got predictions on the Saints' upcoming games, the latest injury report. Um, Norm, this is something I think we could both appreciate, even though you love the Cowboys and, and don't root for your hometown team. No. I have uh, 10 photos that encapsulate the sadness of Falcons fans. So <laughs> that's a good one that folks will want to check yes, out sir. there. Um <laughs> Uh, on that note, though, you can tweet the show at ESPN for the handle. You can email uh, email the show, Scott, at ESPN1420.com, or you can give us a call, 269-1077. Uh, Going to get into NFL, take a look back at week two, dig into week three. Uh, LSU season starts Saturday. The Heat are one win away from the NBA Finals. Crazy. How about Hero Ball? Um, Pelicans could have had them. It is... Uh, should have, man. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. uh, they are. They are. Uh, J- Jimmy Butler is someone that if you're, if you are mentally weak, you just you don't want to be anywhere around. No, you'd hate him. No, you better. You just better be ready, man. Because I remember when everything went down in Minnesota with him, and everyone there, all the players were trying to make him look like you know this punk and this bad guy and the bully. And then as time went on and you saw what he did in Philly and then you see what he's doing in Miami and you hear him talk, you're like, no, man, he's just – he is going to be the hardest working guy in the room and he's going to demand it from everyone else. And if you don't want to get on board with it, he's basically going to be like, bleep it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I mean, do it myself. You know, get out, get. I don't need you. Get out of here. We're we're trying to. The last time the Timberwolves went to the playoffs, it was with Jimmy Butler. The last time the Bulls went to the playoffs, it was with Jimmy Butler. The last time the Seventy Sixers had a meaningful playoff basketball, it's with the Seventy Sixers. I mean, it's with Jimmy Butler. So it it seems like the common denominator of winning is Jimmy Butler. Uh, I I have become a fan of of, <laughs> of, of, of Jay Butt. And it's uh, like, I, I think we was talking about it last time. I'd rather have a closer and Jimmy Butler's going to score in the fourth quarter than have somebody who's going to stat stuff throughout one through three quarters. I, I know Jimmy's going to at least get those last five buckets and we're going to win. I just want a mindset. I just want that kind of mindset in the best player on my team if I'm a coach. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be the best player, on, and, and it works well for him because he's got, there's a few veterans on there that are just like, Tough dudes. Just, I mean, look, Jonas Haslam is still. He doesn't even play. He intimidates everybody. Yeah. But you, <laughs> so you have a few veterans that aren't um, lackadaisical, that aren't passive. So when you when you combine that, even though they're not these big-time key contributors, when you combine that with Jimmy Butler, who even though it's his first year there, is the best player on the team, and the young players on the team are the best. Like a young guy coming into the league – is going to be more willing in a new situation to basically step up and listen to what this guy's saying. Right. Jimmy Butler ends up in Minnesota, and these guys, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and these other guys are like, wait a minute, we're the, I mean, we're, I'm a star. Yeah, I'm a star. I, I was already here first. Like, what are you doing? You know, you get to Miami, you got these young guys like Tyler Hero and, and Duncan and all these guys in and, and Bayou. Are these guys going to have as good a season as they're having right now? Jimmy Butler and their teammate. I'm not even trying to downplay their talent. Those guys are really good, but it's kind of the perfect elixir to have a Jimmy Butler. He goes to Miami. You got a few tough, tough veterans who are who have that same mindset. You don't, and none of them are superstars. And then the best players on your team are all young, so they're going to kind of get in line and. I mean, look, I picked Miami to be in the playoffs this year. I thought they'd be good, but NBA Finals, come on. I mean, nobody nobody out there picked the Heat to get to the NBA Finals, and they're not there yet, but they're one win away. Yeah, and it just looked like they deserve it. They beat the Bucks. then they're going to beat Boston. They've lost two games in the bubble. <laughs> or in it's, the playoffs, it's two. The, it's the mindset, you know. It's, it's like you say, it's the Heat culture. It's, you know, Pat Riley – it just seems like Pat Riley doesn't yell, but he's just like everybody listens to him. Oh, he's like he's like he's like the Godfather. He looks yeah, like a like, mobster <laughs> boss behind the table. Like he just walks in the room. Everybody, that's Pat Riley. <laughs> um, how much hair gel you think that guy's gone through in his life? <sighs> like I, I always wonder what do uh, I seen um, on ESPN, uh, not ESPN, SEC Now. There was asking like uh, Marty. And asked uh, uh, Tim Tebow, like, what do they ask the barber when they go in the bar and they get in the barber chair? Like, do you just say, like, give me a number two and then put gel on it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder what the he asks when he goes to the barber, like, you know, just give me that meet the Zohan. Uh, you, the one thing you got wrong, the barber comes to him, okay. right? He gets he gets his haircut in the office. You know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> with just scissors. It's yeah. He's like, you're the scissors. only person that will ever see me without gel in my hair. <laughs> No photos. If you take a picture of me when my hair looks anything different than this, 
It didn't happen. You're going to end up at the bottom of the... <laughs> swimming uh, with the Yeah, fishes. you can be swimming with the fish. <laughs> 13 after the hour of 7 o'clock. All right. I'm Scott. That's Norm. The uh, The Dallas Cowboys uh, were on the right side Ooh. of another epic Falcons collapse. Uh, the Saints lose on Monday Night Football. There are some things obviously concerning. There were other overreactions. Norm will say, no, they're all, they're all right there. They're all justified. I'll we're gonna, say some. We're, we're going we're gonna to dissect all of that. Don't worry. When we come back right after this, it's the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank. I'm Scott Prather. That is Norman Locke of the morning lock-in, and this is ESPN 1420. We're right back after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good morning, everyone. Norman Locke in studio with me. Was there a, be completely honest. Okay. Is there a moment when you're watching the Cowboys-Falcons game where you're like, all right, it's, it's an L? It was the fourth fumble. Like, I was, I'm like, okay, the first two happened. I was like, okay, we can we can overcome this. Um, the, it's the Falcons. Then when Zeke fumbled again, I was like, no way that we're going to lose to the Falcons. I won't be able to live this slander down. I think everybody was going to use this game to attack me. People started. My grandmother called me midway through the first <laughs> quarter. I was like, this is not going to go down in history. This cannot go down in history. If we lose to the Falcons... I'm not going to be able to go on my show Sunday morning without people calling in, slandering me about losing to the Falcons. We can lose to anybody in the league. We cannot lose to the Falcons, and I be living in Louisiana. Especially, Stephen A. got on national television and put on a Falcons jersey and disrespected my Cowboys. I was highly upset. I was highly upset. Well, if if they were playing another team, it wouldn't happen. Unless it was the Eagles. It would have been an L. I mean, 440-1 and one now with yeah. teams that scored 39 <laughs> points and don't turn it over. Now, an onside kick, technically, recovery technically doesn't count as a turnover. It essentially is a turnover. Um, and it was like 10, under, it's like 5% how, chance to get it. Like, how unprepared an idiot. We, we, again, I'm going to, because, I mean, look. Cover the Saints here. I'm going to bring up the Saints a lot, and I get they're coming off a loss, but they do have one of the best special teams in the NFL, and it used to be hot garbage outside of the punter. Now it's one of the best. It makes a big difference when you have good special teams and guys that know what they're doing. How do you have a bunch of jabronis out there that are <laughs> staring at the ball like it has COVID-19 and, oh, my God, I don't want to touch it. I can't get near it, waiting for it. I was like, this is this is so comical like at, at that moment I was like it's done I mean it you know I figured Dallas would probably recover the onside kick just because it's the Falcons but I could have never envisioned that it would happen that way we're not going to use a T we're just going to do this little you know spin a Rooney here that and ball was so all just new gonna, and shiny they're just looking at it like whoa <laughs> it, go jump see, on the ball nobody wanted to get blamed 
for the loss. I think that's what was going through all of their minds. It's like, so bad. I don't want to get blamed for this loss. I don't want the loss on me. I I don't want to be that guy. So when that ball's spinning around, it's going to, in the head, they're probably like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. Oh, it should have been me. And then the Cowboys got it. But the art until the comeback, it started and ended with Dakota Prescott. No, he was great. He uh, he was great, and uh, you he was know, great. I'm like, I'm like, Baby Dak, man. He didn't throw an interception. He didn't give up a fumble. So I'm like, if he doesn't play a A plus game that he did, we wouldn't ha- have been in, in. We wouldn't have been close to even tying the game or coming back to win the game because he played lights out. Like of all players that came to work Sunday, it was Dak Prescott. He was great. Um I love him rocking the cowboy hat after the game. That was that was a sharp look, man. Hey, he's from he, he pulled it off, man. He's from he got that big that ten gallon head that that you can really just sit the cowboy hat on. He don't got to tilt it. He don't got to you know get it altered. He just got the ten gallon. He really he yeah. Some guys can pull it off. He can pull it off. You gotta have that head. You, you gotta pull have it the, off. The right head. Hey man, oh, um, I've got a large head. But I I was you know when I saw. That the Falcons kept going forward on fourth down, I knew I smelled blood in the water because I'm like, it's no reason why it's twenty to zero, and this is your second time going forward on fourth down. You're terrified. Yeah, and, terrified. and you 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 were awful on fourth down the week before, and you lost to <laughs> Seattle. You know, play to your strengths, guys. Um, and and I tell you what, you guys it, now now Dallas is looking at playing at Seattle, and it's like, you know, that's going to be a tough one. And well, so no, it's, it's gonna it. it's gonna be tough. Let's talk about it. It's gonna you, be tough. You, you fall to zero and two, and you're suddenly staring down the barrel of potentially zero and three. I mean, you desperately right. needed Atlanta to collapse, and of course they they did the Cowboys a favor. Now, about the Seahawks team, they gave up 450 yards passing to Matt Ryan. Two a lot of it was garbage time. Two and zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and zero. But, um. You know, they gave up 400 yards to Cam Newton without any legitimate wide receiver one threat. They almost gave up 100 and, uh, well, I want to say 30 yards on the ground also. It's more than that as a team, but uh, they also, you know, got gashed on the ground. I'm not that terrified of the Seahawks team, more so than saying I'm terrified of Russell Wilson. I'm, I'm, I can't sleep at night thinking we got to play Russell Wilson. Because he's having an MVP year. But the team, the Seahawks, Chris Carlson, that defense, that secondary, even though uh, uh, your boy from the Jets, he's come over, he's playing lights out at the, the, the Jamal, safety, Adams. Jamal Adams. He's tackling his butt off, but on the back end, he can't cover a bed with a blanket. So I, I'm, I, I'm okay with the, the Cowboys' chances. I'm not terrified of the team. I'm just terrified of Russell Wilson. Well, he should be. He's... He's pretty dang good. He's pretty. Hey, DK Metcalf is more than just a a chiseled body. Oh no, that kid, <laughs> man, he was throwing around Stephon Gilmore <laughs> like he was tossing him around. I went back and watched the All Twenty Two. I think it was like four plays where it was like mano a mano one on one. DK is just too big, bro. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not press covering a guy that's six four. 240 with a 4-3 speed. Did you see the practice warm-up? He was catching the balls over the goalposts. He, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dealing with that. Second round pick, and he is much better than uh, many thought he would be. Um, you know, well, he can only do one thing: run. He get cut very well. He struggled in the cone drill and <laughs> in the cone drill. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, give up. I give up all the analy- Like the eye test is what gets me. Is like, okay, you telling me this big Megatron esque receiver. Isn't going to translate to the NFL, but the little shifty ones with the good cone drills are? Come on, man. Uh, Saints lose Monday night. Um, really bad performance after the the, the first quarter. Uh, terrible three quarters. Uh, Camp Jordan right now is not performing well. Um, Drew Brees' accuracy is off. That's the concern uh, for me. For sure, through two games, but I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Let's wait till we get to week five. Uh, and just as a whole, the O line has not performed too good over the first two games. But just Pete, uh, they um, they got beat, man. They flat out got beat. Um, legit question. Okay. And this is not an excuse for how the Saints played because they they didn't play well. Are the Raiders good? See, that's so funny question. That's a funny question. Because it's like every Raider fan is like, Norm, you know, I hate that the Saints fans are like, we lost to the Raiders. And I'm like. No, it's like a legit <laughs> question. Are the Raiders good? I'm going to say. They're the playing Raiders. at New England this week. So and on a short week and they have to travel cross country. So, I mean, we'll, we'll learn something. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Raiders well, what's your borderline for good? Like, if uh, end of a season, they have a winning record. So, all right, okay. Uh, well, I'm saying if we project to the end of the season, a, not a star team, not a playoff team, or I guess you can't say a playoff team. What's a good record for a team ending a season? Nine and seven, ten and six. It, dep- it all. It's it's obviously different team by team. If the Raiders are nine and seven and in the playoffs, that is. I mean, look, they were they were in contention week seventeen last year. Nobody was like, "Oh, well, they're good," but you look at how they performed the first two weeks. Um, they're nine and seven, and they're in the playoffs. They're even ten and six. Obviously, you know, I mean, nine and ten is kind of it's all relative depending on your expectation as a team. I mean, your expectation, my expectation for the Raiders this year was, oh, they have a losing record and right. maybe five hundred at best. And now I'm like. They're two and zero. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much of that was. I think the Saints played poorly, but you you got to give credit to an opponent. Um, it's not like they were playing the Jets. Uh, and I, and and Derek, you know, Derek Carr. The, the thing with Carr is like, I feel like a big part of it is just like confidence. You go back to 2016, and he's like, I mean, he he looked really good, and then he gets in these situations where when he gets hit hard, he kind of. Like kinda, his brother. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> like his that brother. That poor guy. Good lord. He got the hell beat out got of him. him and he just Maybe got that's what it is. He watched his brother get beat so bad. He probably sees his brother walking around with a cane now. But like Derek Carr, you hit him early and he you know, starts seeing ghosts. Yeah, but he he was he was fine. I mean, the say he had a clean pocket. The Saints blitzed him a bunch. It didn't matter. Um and so he is he has found some confidence now. And if he's confident, you know, these rookie receivers, I don't, I don't, I can't. I can't get a pulse for whether or not they're average or actually good. I don't I'm, know. I'm going to say they weren't good. They found what worked against the Saints, and they kept doing it. That's what I was watching. To Darren Weller, man. You're just throwing to this dude over and over. That's literally that's all it was. That I'm was like, awful. And I'm like, um, 
you know, I was questioning Mike, Malcolm Jenkins, and I'm like, okay, Demar Davis, every time Demar Davis is on him, he locks him down. But you put the safety, Malcolm Jenkins, on him, he gashed for 15 yards. He caught it against everybody they put on him, though. They put Gardner Johnson on him. They put P.J. Williams on him. Davis did give up some some passes against him. I mean, he was – they had no answer for him. Yeah, They had and, no answer for him. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, Josh Jacobs, they still had, held Josh Jacobs to under 100 yards. His but, average wasn't all that great, but it was in the it was like those, half they were just breaking him off. Though. And I was like, he's running. That's the hardest four yards. <laughs> like, he's making the Saints defensive line feel every inch of those four yards because he's not – he wasn't getting any first downs running the ball, but it was some four-yard Alabama-esque runs that was just punishing the Saints. And then, like you said, they, they, they didn't have an answer for Waller. Like, I'm just watching, like, this kid is balling. And then right after this game, he's probably going to get, like, a six-pack of beer and, like, celebrate. Uh, I'm like, it's just, you know, it's just how the Raiders are. And I'm like. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's. He's a recovering addict, so he's sober. So oh. a six-pack of O'Doul's. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> no, but he actually has a very good story. Uh, I remember seeing him on Hard Knocks, I guess, th- not this year, but the year before. And, like, he, there was a point where he thought his, he just wasn't going to play football because he was, I mean, he was an addict. He was really struggling, um, you know, substance abuse suspensions and got sober and really it all came. Like, last year, some people are like, I've never heard of this guy. Last year he was... He was awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was second in the league in receptions and yards at the tight end position. Uh, but you think Kelsey, you think Kittle, but he was right there. He didn't have a ton of touchdowns. So fantasy owners aren't like, oh, look at this guy. Yeah, I think he had three last year. He was already really good. But on the national stage, which the Raiders weren't on a ton last year, every, I think all of America got to see that guy, and they were like, whoa, this dude, he is. He's spectacular now. The biggest the- – Again, I wouldn't hit the panic button on Drew's arm. I did hit a lot of jokes in, but that's just me. But I wouldn't hit the panic button on Drew's arm right now, but more so the panic button on the offense because, okay, I always painted the picture of Michael Thomas was great because of Drew Brees, but I'm seeing it inverse now is Michael Thomas has extended Drew Brees' career. Thomas is awesome. I mean, you're missing you're missing the the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. A um, couple of things about Breeze, some that I think is is overplayed in the national media, and one that I think is a legit concern. It was because it was a national game too. Everybody was watching. And 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 in Week One, it was America's Game of the Week. And guess what? They're on Sunday Night Football this week. So if he if if the Saints lose and he doesn't look great, it's only going to magnify. Um, average. Depth yards per pass through the year. If you look at the last three years, and this even includes when Teddy Bridgewater started those five games, the Saints rank near the bottom of the league. Right. Last three years. I mean, bottom five. So the fact that they're low right there right now, it's like, oh, did you see this? It's 4.8 this. Oh, my God. It's like, that's it's that's been, old yeah. news. Like, that's not... I, 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 I see folks in the like national media, and they feel like they're like, they've just figured it out. And, oh, how about this? The, the concern is the accuracy. Um, now, Nick Underhill, who really digs into the film, he pointed out to a few things that were just, you know, route issues and not necessarily Breeze, but he also pointed to a lot of times where it was Breeze. It wasn't, it wasn't completely him, but there's concerns there, basically somewhere in the middle. But I just feel like if you're Breeze and your confidence isn't fully there and your accuracy isn't there, 
I mean, I uh, you take that pain Manny break. You, you, you take the Peyton Manning break. You, you ha- you, that, that's that's essentially what he's been doing, the Peyton Manning Denver thing. And when you've got Michael Thomas, oh, well, slander and in route, whatever, man, that dude gets hit a ton, and he always catches it. Um, and now, you know, Traquan Smith, he gets it would have been first and goal. He gets hit. He drops it. <laughs> yeah, you know? That's not the um, same guy. No. And so they're missing Michael Thomas for sure. But to me, it's like Breeze is very much habitual. You know, like you could get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers who you'll see this Sunday night. And if they don't have your typical preseason, typical training camp, um, they can look at the game plan and they can go out there and they can get it done and they have a certain amount of just athletic ability. Mobility. And, yes. I think that's just – that's the, for, for Breeze, it is about timing. repetition. Correct. I mean, it's just – it's all about the habitual nature of the week-to-week. And so – Glass half full approach is the accuracy will come. You know, the accuracy will come. You know, there were accuracy issues early the last few seasons, not this bad. Uh, and so by the time you get to week four or five, the timing will be back. Michael Thomas will be back. And so it, it should be fine, you know, because he doesn't have to throw it deep down the field. The glass half empty approach is the accuracy is off and it's not going to get better. And if it doesn't, then the Saints are in trouble. For me, the biggest concern is. The accuracy, because you could say, "Oh, guys, dropped the ball," and they did. But one, it's kind of a two-way street, Norm. It's like when, when you don't have to adjust to make a catch, when you have to drop down, he can make it. An accurate quarterback can make it so so easy on you. Um, You know, Michael Thomas, two thirds of every one of his 149 catches last season was. Uh, what was the, the stat I was reading? This was on Pro Football Focus. Like catchable passes. No, it was it was under <clears throat> duress basically, to where a DB was either on his body at the uh, basically he was being touched at the moment he caught it. That doesn't mean he was being pulled or it was pi, but there was a guy separation. There was body touched. contact on two thirds of the. Now the only way that's going to work is if you have a really great receiver and a really accurate quarterback. It's so it's just like they're missing Thomas. And the accuracy is off. And if you get to that Monday night game against the Chargers in week five and the accuracy is still really spotty, that's when you hit the panic button. You don't hit the panic button after week two, in my opinion, and melt down because, you know, like Cam Jordan has not played well in two. But do you think Cam Jordan suddenly has washed? Of course not. I mean, I don't. You know, but again, you know, everybody's going to say I'm biased, but I just knew the Saints wasn't sold on Davenport. You know, it's just when you go window shopping – it's because you like something. He still hadn't. He still, I mean, he still hadn't even practiced. And then his backup, Trey Hendrickson, who can get to the passer. I always like Hendrickson. He, he's, he's, he's hurt, hurt right now. So what are you going to throw out, Carl Granderson and it, 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 Davenport? Man, you got to. You know, and I, Cam I, Jordan's I, never missed a game. Davenport's. It feels like he's missed like a hundred. And and I, the, the writing has been on a wall. Everybody, you know, shell off. Oh yeah, we just want to upgrade to Clowney just because it was just a nice, a nice car. We just had the money. No, there was a reason why Sean Payton, Sean Payton wouldn't just have flown to his house and try to court him and take him from uh, the Tennessee Titans. He wouldn't have tried to keep keep the contract talks open if they didn't know something that we didn't know. And obviously, this injury or whatever Davenport's going through. It's going to linger throughout the rest of the season, or he's not going to be available. And now you can almost guarantee the Saints probably don't keep him next year. So, uh, you know, losing Trey Hendrickson, now again, 
I've been saying he should have started. I liked him in his flashes last season just because he has, like, that motor that just never stops. You know, you're going to get a sack if you just keep playing 100% for every play. Uh, but Cam Jordan, he needs some help. That defensive line is is kind of thin. He's not getting those uh, one-on-one with the tackle as he used to. I think they were gassed, too. Like, let's go back to Darren Weller. Like, the Raiders had, what, like almost like 12 or 13-minute time of possession advantage? Yeah, they was, they was running so like 10-play drives. The Saints only, if, if the last drive was cosmetic, it, was, it wasn't, you know, it was garbage time. Right? He, he really, really only had like six legit drives um, where you could possibly run or pass. Your last two, we're just airing it out because we're down by a bunch and it's late and they're playing prevent. Um, the defense being on the field that long, when when you're constantly giving up these passes to Weller and like early in that game, they were the D line was doing okay. They were getting pressure. They were but once they were on the field for those long extended periods of time, they were completely gassed. They couldn't do I mean Derek Carr couldn't have sat back there and make oh, he was him and Jenkins had an awful night. I mean Lattimore Lattimore had a that was he had a few bad games in his second year, but uh that like that was you came to show up against Evans. That was his worst performance. He didn't have a performance last season as bad as the one he had Monday night. That was bad. Um, but again, that's why the panic button thing, Norm. It's like it's not like like Lattimore's good. Like Cam Jordan's good. Like I don't I don't think these guys are going to suddenly just the breeze accuracy thing. We'll see. Because at this point, it's like is it is it just timing? Is it because the the habitual nature of preseason and training camp? You know, set it back, or is this a, a lingering thing that is just now how it is? But I think why, we'll know in a few weeks, but I, I, I think it's the, too, the too playbook, quick to jump the gun. You know, I was looking for the creativity of Sean Payton to jump out at me. You know, he ran that that garbage time again. I was <laughs> it's funny to me that you're going to run a garbage time trick play in game one, but you don't you don't let Taysom Hill throw it any in game two. I think when you have limited. It's like it, it goes back to all these Swiss limited amount knives. limited amount of plays, short of possessions. Then you get on a drive where you're you have all those penalties, and now you're far back. Um, you know, is a trick play going to work as well when you're down? You know, double digits. But you run it when to, you're up double digits. I'm not excusing that. I yeah, thought, I'm, just, I'm not excusing <laughs> that. I'm just saying, like, it's if it's close or it's unexpected. I don't know. Like, it, it, you just you got beat, and when you're losing and you're struggling, it's harder to. You know, I think your play calling, as you know, when you're down is a lot more limited than when you're when it's close or when you're up. You just have more options when you're down, especially in the second half, and your defense is exhausted. You know, because I'm like, it goes back to the Raiders. I mean, they. I'm like, Darren what Weller, is going man. on? Like, um, Darren Waller. I keep calling then, him Weller. Darren Waller. The Waller biggest, is a baller. My me hitting the panic button for the Saints. You say week five, I say Sunday night against the Packers. Because it's going to, one, the implications for this one bye week is going to probably come down to this this week is when we're going to look to because you have the Seahawks are undefeated, they play the Cowboys. You have the Packers, they're undefeated, they play the Saints. You have Chicago's undefeated. <laughs> they they uh, think they play the Giants. Um, then you have the Cardinals are undefeated. So the, the bye week implications are going to come into this week. And if Green Bay is going to take commend of that NFC North, when they, again, the, the Bears are 2-0, and um, they're going to have to beat the Saints, and then you want to come back, and the Saints fans might look back at 
this week three matchup and be like, man, that's one that we we should have maybe have gotten back if the Saints do lose. Because, again, I think this Packers matchup is going to be really important. You know, the Packers have been playing lights out. Aaron Rodgers has been playing well. The defense hasn't been playing that well. But they do have a stud at cornerback, at defensive line, and at safety position. So if Drew Brees' accuracy was the biggest question in the offense, inability to get downfield and to score, you know, I fear against the Packers on, on Sunday night against them bright lights, that's when the Drew Brees panic button is going to get hit if he doesn't show up and he doesn't look well against the, the Packers. Saints were 0-1 every year from 2014 to 2018. <laughs> Y'all pull them stats out, bruh. It's true. I, it is true, but I didn't see that stat until you lost. one and one last year. <laughs> I think y'all been 1-1 one one since 2013? Not 1-1, one one, no. They've been 0-2 a couple times. They were 0-2 in 2017. Um, or was it y'all haven't? Yeah, y'all haven't. They have not started 2-0 since 2013. 13. And I'm like, it's funny that you find these stats. I didn't find it. I Not mean, you. I follow the team. I've been knowing that since the season started. Because soon as soon as the clock hits zero, they're like, you know what? We don't even be on two no more. We we don't even go. We don't go two and zero. Oh. That's not even a Saints thing to do. We still we still See, win. Your your social media timelines are different than mine. My timeline is full of dread and oh my god, it's over. The Saints <laughs> are done. They'll never win another game. Your timeline is full of we'll be okay. We'll be okay. My timeline is good lord, Drew Brees, you're the worst ever. I'm like, oh my. Gosh, dude, this is just so hyperbolic. I'm like, you can't, you can't give it to him yet because again, Drew just might need that Peyton Manning break. He might need to go sit down for seven games, let Winston and Taysom come in and come go five for two. Hey, I just hope he doesn't need a painkiller injection Whoa. in his ribs. <laughs> nope. Because the Saints, you know, they have a history of some team doctors that were meh, perhaps, yeah. Then you are sending Michael Thomas to the Packers doctor to get okay to play? You know it's you know it's you know what's crazy about that is he'll probably be able to more easily just diagnose a player on another team than his own. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like okay. Oh yeah, you good. You good. I tested it out. If that was my ankle, I'll play. I, I think it's the opposite. I think dude, like you don't think that some team doctors feel pressure when it's their own guys and the coaches want them to play. Yeah. Uh, 100%. When it's someone on another team, it's like there's no, there's none of that pressure. It's, just, you know, it's like you do what you feel, Mike. I'll, you know, come back, play Sunday, and then tell me how you feel Monday. <laughs> we'll see. ESPN1420.com. Um, Tyrod Taylor. Will he, will he, will he play again? We'll dig back into the Cajuns depth chart if you're joining us late. A number of players out for COVID reasons. Getting ready for that matchup with Georgia Southern, who runs the triple option. Shea Wirtz, they got a good quarterback. Big game coming up at Cajun Field Saturday. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420 and .com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, Norman Locke in here with me, host of the Morning Lock-In. 
So when you uh, read yesterday that Tyrod Taylor, starting quarterback of the L.A. Chargers, had his lung punctured by a team doctor who was attempting to give him a pain injection in his ribs, what came to your mind? For me, it was holy It was like uh, G has this cha-ching sound effect that he that he has. On. That's the first thing I heard was cha-ching. I don't got to play football anymore. I, you know, barring his health, I, I wouldn't have to work anymore. I'm looking at myself like, huh, I got free. I got the one of the best health care insurances that I could probably get with the NFL because I'm going to just stroll into the Chargers facility when I'm like 65 and go in and go get one of them nurses to rub my knee, tape my ankle, because I'm getting insurance for the rest of my life. Me and my family getting ins- the primetime uh, Los Angeles Chargers insurance. I'm going to get my teeth pulled at the facility. I'm going to get my ears you cleaned. You work there? I'm getting everything, Scott. And that kind. Hey, uh, Lynn, what's his, what's, what's, that's, what's his first Anthony, Anthony Lynn. Hey, I need full coverage for me and my fam. And we don't even got to tell them what the injury, the injury, the injury settlement's going to be. But I'm asking for like 50 mil. It depends how deep the puncture is. Deep enough that I didn't have to play. Well, no. I lost that, my starting job. The reports are that he uh, he kind of wants to play this week, and the doctor's like, no, 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 don't do it. But guess what? The doctors are protecting themselves Cells. at this point. You know how long that but, needle got to be? But, but here, but like you said, all right, I, I, I'm going to retire in the Caymans or whatever. <laughs> He wants to. He wants to play. I mean, he he wants to play football. Not me, not me. I would not be playing. You, I'll be like, look, let's 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 get this contract together. I need a coaching position. <laughs> uh, I need, like I said, I need full benefits, and I need like fifty million dollars. We could spread it out. I'm, we don't got to put it under the cap hit. We could spread it out. We're going to spread it out over the next 30 years. It's I need 50 crazy. mil in, in 30 years. It's crazy. You know, you and I both know that his agent leaked that. I had to. I mean. Scott, uh, how uh, big of a needle you have to do, have to have to puncture my lung. That's a huge needle. Team, NFL team doctors are not perfect. They've misdiagnosed things. They've done things wrong. Lord knows Delvin Bro went off on the airwaves you know, back in April when I had him on, took me three hours to edit all the curse words. <laughs> but he kind of just laid it out, you know, about when they, you know, his leg was broke and Sean Payton was listening to the doctors. They didn't believe him. He and Sean Payton got in a fist fight. I mean, it was, you've heard Pierre Thomas open up to me um, talking about, you know, his ankle situation back in 2010 and Payton, you know, leaking stuff to Jay Glazer and the back and forth. And it's, it is a nasty side of this game. Yeah. So, it's one thing to misdiagnose an injury, although it's really bad, especially when a guy's leg is broken. To puncture a lung. I'm thinking of a needle. I'm think, I keep thinking of a needle. You're not, you're not getting close to me with a needle that size. Because it ain't no regular needle. It's a super needle. It's an extendo needle. You're not, you're not putting an extendo needle near me, Scott. You're, if, you're, if you're a quarterback, you're used to needles. You're used to them. Uh, uh, extendo needle? Yeah. Pain injection needles? That thing got to be like seven inches. Once it once it breaks the skin, it's, I mean, that's, 
It's all the same. Unless no. you puncture a lung, <laughs> as long as you hit the mark, it should be okay. Numb it up. Then you don't feel anything. But when you That's punch- probably why you want to play. He still didn't feel anything. No, you <laughs> felt short of breath. I can promise you that. Holy cow. Uh, 269-1077. Phone lines are open. 269-1077. Um, at ESPN1420. That's the uh, that's the Twitter feed if you want to hit us up there. Scott at ESPN1420.com. Let's head to the phone lines. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Hey, Scott, man. Hey, what's up? Hello. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, listen, Scott, nobody's really mentioned this before or yet. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, about Drew Brees and stuff. Man, always the, the, the years that Drew Brees has been there, they've always had a cohesive uh, locker room. Uh, they probably had half the team, what, two months ago, cuts out Drew Brees. Maybe his head and mind have been in it. Uh, you have to have a good locker room. Um, to, you know, we, we don't know what goes inside their locker room. And to me, um, his head's not in it. Uh, just thinking like the, the locker room might be divided. I have no idea. Uh, I'm just taking a guess like everybody else. Uh, and I hate some people's mentality, man. Let's just go ahead and sue everything uh, and live off of uh, everybody else, man. Thank you. You think there's anything to to the locker room? I don't. I don't think so because how vocal Malcolm Jenkins is. I don't think that he would just you know play without pe- expressing his thoughts and his feelings. If there was still any settlements left in that locker room, and then also on the Alvin Kamara um, podcast with uh, Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram, he spoke about Drew Brees, and Alvin seems fine with everything going forward. And I haven't heard not a single anything about it was the situation bi- it was big when it happened yeah. obviously and there was some fallout but it seems like since then this isn't something that I, that feels like it's lingered no, it's not like it's been so. brought up no you know um emmanuel sanders was asked about it last week he said you know i mean he didn't even know drew but then he said you know he talked about how he cried and they talked a lot about it and that it was it's all it's good it's bridge, gravy yeah. you know they they they're they're on the same page so i don't um you know, in terms of in the locker room, no. Now, if Drew gets bothered by outside noise, but, you know, he's he's never been bothered by outside noise from a football standpoint. Is he bothered by outside noise from the national media? Or about- just one side or the other, you know? I mean, one side of, oh, man, he shouldn't have to apologize and, and, how and you know, screw him, or I can't believe he said what he said. Like, both sides, you know, ext- if that stuff gets to him, then okay, maybe maybe there's something there. But in terms of the actual locker room, I don't I don't no, think so. I, not on not on and and I, I I know, you know, some people in New Orleans. I've asked about it. Um I know a player on the team and I know a few members of the media that know a few other players and that's something that, that, that we've talked about quite a bit and um based on what the players told me and then those folks in the media I know have told me, they feel like at this point it's it's done. Yeah, I, I think it's random. They're not even I don't really, think They don't talk about it anymore. No. It's just they play football. But yeah. uh, not to say it might not be brought up. I mean, you've got other teams that might bring it up here or there. But I think, you know, if anything, just the play on the field probably brings up whispers or maybe thoughts of the offseason, and people can use that as a scapegoat. Um, but that, that's about it because, like you said, I mean – I can't see Malcolm Jenkins, you know, one of the most outspoken people in the league, just continuing playing or being on a team without vocally saying something. Uh, it's, 
especially having to play on the defense and, you know, I wouldn't say protect, but you the, the defense protects this quarterback. Um, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't see Malcolm Jenkins doing that if he felt any resentment to, to Drew Brees. All right, coming up on the top of the hour, Scott Prather, Norman Locke, ESPN1420.com. If you missed the uh, beginning of the show, a lot of players for the Cajuns will not be playing Saturday due to COVID-19 issues. We'll give you the rundown on that. LSU opens their season against Mississippi State on Saturday. It's going to be interesting. Man. After the Cajuns. You see they scheduled after us. 11 and then 2.30. You get it. Everybody gets a chance to get it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, hero ball. The Miami Heat. Dropping buckets. Man. Baby baby, Click Thompson, that's a, what I call him. A win away from the NBA Finals. We got a lot to dig into, everybody. Plus, our week three picks. Collectively, Norm and I were 27-5, and five, straight up, not against the spread. Last week in the NFL, week three is a little more tough. I imagine we'll have a few more disagreements when we make our picks. It's all coming up next hour. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Hello, everybody, and welcome into hour number two of the Great number Scott two, Show. Odell Beckham. That's right. Cleveland Browns got a win last week. I'm Scott. That is Norman. So, the Ragey Cajuns getting ready for Georgia Southern. And they're going to be shorthanded. In the year of COVID-19, the Cajuns cannot say, and athletic departments cannot say who has tested positive. Um, HIPAA violations, you know what, I get it, and I wouldn't ask them to. You can read between the lines and, and you can figure it out when you look at a depth chart and someone's not listed on it and they're not listed under the injuries portion of it. You can Put two to two together. Right, especially when they don't. And typically they'll announce if a player has been suspended for disciplinary reasons. So with that, if you want to look at some key players and starters who are not available this week because of COVID-19 issues, whether it be a positive test or, co- or contact tracing, Elijah Mitchell... Max Mitchell, Big Sauce Taylor Humphrey, Joe Dillon, A.J. Washington, and then you have backups in quarterback Ave Magali and Sonny Hazard, the defensive lineman. It's pretty good players there, Norm. Yeah. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be a test. Um, you know, this season is going to be, you know, who has the healthiest team when they have the hardest matchup, you know, and – if if it fears, it grows my fear when it comes down to week to week, and also when it comes down to this Appalachian State game, you know, because God forbid, you know, any other starters or key contributors or major contributors go down for that week, or we still, you know, are the prior week and they're still fourteen days into quarantining, so you know. But again, the major, the the most important impactful thing is these the health of these players long term um as they catch covid and you know sometimes uh not sometimes but in the media some players have been experiencing long-term health problems um so i think that's the number one issue at hand with you know uh the season going on and players trying to stay healthy uh that's that's the that's the biggest you know uh 
problem with for me with college football is what are the long-term effects of these players catching COVID? Because right now, you know, I've, I've talked to some of the players, uh, of the players that have tested COVID. Uh, the players on the team have told me nobody has, like, outright symptoms of, you know, or needs to get on a ventilator or, you know, any major symptoms. You know, they're, they're healthy kids. They think they could defeat anything. But what's the long-term implications, you know? Hopefully none. Hopefully. Um Cajuns got Georgia Southern, and then you got App State on a Wednesday on the 7th, and you know that's going to be a big one in Boone. So coming up on the schedule, you got a Georgia Southern team that, you know, they, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run the triple option, but what a wild start to their season, Norm. They play week one against Campbell, and they have a third of their team inactive. Not all, but a lot of it due to COVID-19 issues. Uh, they win by a point. Last week, they're supposed to play FAU. FAU has a bit of an outbreak a few days before, so that game gets postponed. FAU, by the way, supposed to play South Florida this Saturday, and that one just got postponed because of an outbreak at South Florida. It is a wild season. Now, some of those postponed games might not be able to be played ever. Um, others might be able to be made up. I think what the SEC and when the Big Ten returns is dealing with is you don't have those cushions you don't have the ability to postpone or move a game around Arkansas State moved a game with Central Arkansas they postponed it they found a new date you don't have any wiggle room in the uh, in the schedules for the SEC or uh, or or the Big Ten do you think LSU is able to play um, all 10 of these games this year Norm I, I doubt it I, I doubt it um what well, it, like, let me say, think, think I of think LSU, they play, what if LSU and Alabama can't play. Now they both have a bye before that game, so it, it, it helps them. But like that's the CBS prime; they get one primetime game every year, and that's the one. And I, I, I think that they play all of them, but I for sure don't think that they play all of them with all of their key players. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, so, but I think each game is because it's it's ten games in ten weeks, right? That's it. And yeah, they're not rescheduling. Any, There's well, it's it's uh, it's ten games in eleven weeks. And the Big Ten is the, the Big Ten. There is no there is no buy in there at all. Is nine games in nine weeks? Um, well, it's nine plus one, so it's nine. Then they'll have a Big Ten championship game. Okay. Then every other team in the Big Ten will play someone that weekend. I don't remember how it's played out. Maybe who you're met. You know, who has a similar record in the other division. I'm not sure. And but they'll all play a conference game that week, and it just won't be the, the championship, championship game. And, and then they have stricter rules where they have to quarantine for 21 days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pay attention to it. I wonder what the handicap guys in Vegas. So the, the Cajuns line opened up at like 16. Then it was 13 and a half for a while. Currently, it's at 11 and a half. Uh, but you're playing a Georgia Southern team, Shea Wirtz. Uh, good quarterback, senior, been through a lot, can run that triple option well. Uh, and they're a team that, you know, talking to Danny Reed, their play-by-play man yesterday, you know, what their coach has been saying is they anticipate having the majority of their roster ready to go Saturday at Cajun Field. Um, you know, they'll be getting on the plane tomorrow. Uh, Cajun Field kickoff 11 a.m. If you need some a reminder of some of the game day guidelines and things like that, you can get all that over at ESPN1420.com. Um, but uh, as always, we invite you to turn down the volume on the TV, turn it up on the radio if you're not going to be there. Uh, pre-games at 9 a.m., kickoffs at 11, game televised on ESPN. Support them Cajuns. They're on national TV. 
They're going to be three and zero after this week. They they need to be three and zero going into a matchup with App State. Right? They need to need to and to keep our top twenty five ranking with these SEC teams and everybody else coming join into. I don't think it's going to happen in the coaches poll after this week. Um, you don't think we can stay at twenty five? Well, aren't they aren't they uh, letting the um, the Big Ten teams back in the coaches poll? Or did they let them? Is that the AP poll? Did they already let the Big Ten teams back in the mm, in the coaches poll? They haven't let them back in. They say that they get, they have to have one week of play. No, I think I think in the AP they can start voting for them this okay. week. If I know I'm not mistaken. one of them. One of them was you have to have one completed week of play okay. before you can make the uh, the ranking. So, so anyway, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with that. App State's coming off of a loss. They're not in the top 25 anymore, so I know. they're going to be scrambling. But uh, go get the win. And, you know, Trey Regis, Chris Smith, and, um, you know, this this young running back, uh, Imani, who Coach Napier talked about last night and said, you know, Imani Bailey has done – he's one of these freshmen that's made a big impact. He just – you know, you you you're on a depth chart behind Regis and Smith and Mitchell. It's, it's hard to break in there. You. I mean, T.J. Wisham as well. But uh, you could see a little bit of Amani Bailey this Saturday with Mitchell out. But I think you'll see a lot of Trey Regis, who I I mean I've I've said it for years. That kid is just a bull, man. I mean, he just I five ten. Okay, two thirty. I don't want to tackle him. I don't want to tackle. I don't want to tackle him. I mean, he, Chris Smith is a guy. You, you, if he gets some momentum behind him, I mean, get out the way because he just is going to run violently downhill. Regus is a guy like you could you be force with right. force. <laughs> you, you could just be a few. You could be like one foot away, and then suddenly, boom! You know. Um, what do you want to see out of the team? You know, after after last week's narrow win, what, what do you want to see improve on this week? The run defense. I, I need to see way better run defense from the Cajuns. I need to see people gang tackling because uh, that's how you stop the, the triple option. You fill up all gaps. We need everybody in their correct gaps. When you Triple option is all about uh, is people over overrunning, over uh, pursuing the gaps. So it's about cap control. So if we play sound gap control, we're going to win easily. Um, cause all they're looking for is leaks. And once they find that leak, they're going to keep hitting it until it bears fruit. So we need the Cajuns to, to, to keep all leaks, have their plumber shorts on, the little crack showing <laughs> and fix all the leaks. <laughs> uh, on the LSU side of things against Mississippi state, Mike Leach. I don't know what to expect, Scott. I don't know. LSU is a 16 and a half point favorite. I, and they're I at home. I don't like it. For some reason, I just don't like it, Scott. Because I, I, this LSU team, barring um, Kurt, that's how you pronounce his name? Think his name? The, the tight end? Eric Gilbert. A- Eric Gilbert. Uh, other than Eric, uh, I don't know what to expect out of this LSU team. I think they got look. look I mean, uh, Terrence Marshall's good. Uh, Emory is a, is a very talented running back. They've got some talent. I have some questions about their own line. Um, and I think Miles Brennan is Angel Burrow. I think everyone knows that. That goes without saying. I'll say it anyway. I think I think he can be fine, but um, you got to have some time, man. You got to have some time. Now, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Missouri, LSU's got more talent than all of them, and I think they'll be fine. But once they have to go play at Florida, I think we'll learn a little bit more about this team. This, Auburn, as far as the spread Florida, goes, Georgia. I, 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 I got no idea. But I think I think LSU will be one to zero come Saturday evening. 
I hope because they're going to have to hear from me as a Cajun fan. <laughs> LSU fans are going to have to hear from me. They don't want to lose uh, more games than the Cajuns this season. If any season Cajuns fans are able to stick it to some LSU fans, this might be the season. So you're not a fan of both like some people are? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of LSU. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. You were, you were, you were covering the National Championship well last year. Yeah, were, but I wouldn't say, there. you know, each year I'm looking to uh, let me let me put this in this. I probably own one LSU shirt. That's how much of a fan I am. I own one gold LSU shirt. Where'd you get it? For free at an LSU tailgate. So that's like I'm not uh, one of those guys like LSU, LSU. Duh, 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 duh. Like no, I supported you know Tyron Matthew, Trey Turner, Leonard Fournette while they were there. Dude, Trey Turner, man, he. They're I mean, missing him out there in Carolina. Five straight Pro Bowls. And they traded him to the Chargers. And they missed five him. Five straight Pro Bowls. And they are missing him. What was up with that? I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of questions. But when I, uh, you know, just came last week, I was out there in Carolina and I got to be amongst the Carolina fans as they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, they have a lot of questions. They question their own team. Like, they're like, why would we get rid of Trey Turner and Cam Newton and 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 run the same offense? Contract, money, rebuild, all that. Oh, everything. They thought, um, what's the other guy that's behind Teddy? You're asking me who the backup quarterback they in Carolina is? They thought he was going is? to be the guy. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I'll, off the top of my head, I don't I, know who man, he is. Man, I, I even forgot the kid's name. He played before Teddy got— Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Saints played him. Um I know you're talking, Kyle. It's uh, Kyle. What's his name? Is it Kyle? Kyle I want to say Kyle Allen, but it's no, he's gone. He's gone though. That's who they thought was going to be the guy, and he wasn't the guy. And now they got Teddy, and it's well, like they drafted Will Greer. Is that who they thought? No, was no they they, oh, they definitely uh, whiffed on the Will Greer pick. But it was another guy. I don't want to say was, Kyle Allen's in Washington now, though. Okay, he's not in Carolina anymore. But they thought he. So they was thought gonna he be, was going to. So they got rid of. Yeah, because yeah, I remember when he went to Washington. You asked me who the backup is. I don't even know. They. I got to look up. Let me see who's on there. Let me see who their current backup is. Will Greer. I think it's Will Greer. I know he's on the team, but I don't know if he's the number two. Let's see here. <laughs> okay, Greer is on the team. He's number three. I would have never known. The backup quarterback of the Carolina Panthers is P.J. Walker. Oh, I forgot about P.J. from the XFL. From Temple. Yeah, he went to that. He, he played. He was the uh, the MVP of the XFL. Look, look at that. Says he's 25. How old does that dude look? Man, he's 30. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> they, didn't, they did him no favors with that headshot. That he's 25. Oh, dude, it's not just that. I mean, it. he looks like he's... Dude, he looks like, like he's, he's like in his some, early 40s, dude. He's been, he been through a lot. He's been through the ringer with that headshot. Good Lord. I just learned some about the Panthers' backup quarterback. I forgot. I definitely forgot about him. Yeah, he was He was, He was. was doing great him. in the XFL. Even know about, I don't know anything about the XFL. Yeah, he, uh, uh, Scott, he was tearing the XFL I up. know zilch about the XFL. He's the Nothing. guy that um, Andrew Luck vouched for. They did a big story about him. He was on the practice squad with Andrew Luck okay. and... Andrew Luck's dad was. Let me the tell you about man. PJ. Uh, he's a uh, young guy. Uh, looks old, though. <laughs> but really, you should give him a shot. <laughs> Andrew. You know, Andrew Luck, he retired and, like, whoop. And went away. I mean, you don't hear. You know, 
He's in his hey. study drinking wine right now. I guess. Like Scott Norman's talking about me. I don't care. Poor guy. He's like, I'm gonna I can't wait to travel the world with my family and study philosophy. Up oh, COVID hits. Guess you can't go anywhere, <laughs> Andrew. Anyway, 18 after the hour. And he he just he left. He's like, I'm done. He's, he's probably like rewatching the Pirates of the Caribbean or something. <laughs> you think he, you think he's a, a Pirates of the Caribbean? He's watching the marathon? He's why he's, he's rewatching all oh, the man, Transformers. Jack Sparrow, yeah. Uh, Tell you what, man, uh, T.Y. just made a great catch, but I, I you know, I, my neck hurts. <laughs> a coach team is bad, man. Hey, I told you they were going to win last week, and you said nope. That was the only the only reason I, I won in my head-to-head battle with Norm last week in picks is because I had the Colts. And that was a bad game. He had the Vikings. <laughs> and the Vikings play even worse Dude, than the Colts. Her cousins. We're going to make our picks for week three. Next. Last week, I missed on two. Browns beat the Bengals. Raiders beat the Saints. Norm had those, and he had the Vikings over the Colts. We got the rest of them. But last week... It was kind of easy. I'm not going to act like sit here and be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of easy. It was kind of easy. This week, you've got some tight matchups, some closer spreads. We'll pick the game straight up next, right here on the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather, Norman Locke, host of the Morning Lock-In. Today, partly cloudy, 40% chance of showers, high of 82. Tonight, partly cloudy, maybe a shower, low of 70. Picks. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Let me see. I think I have some bumper music that I thought I had ready, but that I don't. Um, oh, put that new Drake on. Okay. I, know you got <laughs> I think uh, maybe. I think this is some. I think it's not new, but there's some. All right, we'll go with we'll go with a slow. I was looking for some football. Uh, let's do this. All right. First games tonight. Minshew Mania. Jacksonville. Very close to being two and zero. They're one and one. I'm, I'm on it. They are uh, at home. They are a three-point favorite, betting favorite. That doesn't mean anything you know, in terms of your picks. Just throwing it out there. Uh, who you got tonight? Uh, Dolphins and the Jags, which is interesting. It opened at Miami minus one, and it moved to Jacksonville minus three. So it moved four points, which is pretty crazy. I'm I'm rolling with the Minshew Mania. I'm I'm sorry that I wasn't on in week one. Um, it's going to be the beard versus the stash, and I'm going to go with the stash. Um, I just think the Jags have a, a a more cohesive team than the Dolphins right now. And as usual, if you play any Dolphins team, it, it's kind of been like that for like the last five years. You start all the players on your fantasy team, and you know after in some of my leagues, I got Drew Brees, but Minshew has been putting up more points than Drew Brees, so I'm I got to go with. Minshew because he's my starting quarterback in fantasy right now. Your starter. 
He's my starter over Drew Brees. What has the 2020 has happened? I like uh, I like the Jags. Minnesota and Tennessee. Boy, the Vikings have looked really bad. Um, these, I mean, Tennessee minus two and a half on the road at Minnesota this Sunday. I'm taking the Titans. The Vikings. Um, I thought their cornerbacks were going to be able to bounce back, but they they didn't, and they they got lashed by the Colts. So. Uh, the Vikings right now, they got to play through it, and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to play through the Titans and that stout defense that they have and that giant man-child of a running back of Derrick Henry. So I just think that the Vikings are going to get destroyed. Okay. Um, Vikings have been bad. They'll bounce back. I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. Um, they have a bounce-back game and uh, look a little bit sharp in Week 2 at home, or Week 3, rather. Okay, Patriots minus six at home against the Raiders. Uh, this one was a difficult one for me. I liked what I saw against Cam and the Seahawks, but I did like what the, the Oakland was able to do against the New Orleans Saints. Vegas. And- <laughs> Vegas, sorry. I, oh, I call them Oakland oh, a lot sorry. too. Yeah, sorry. Ah, moving these It's going to take a while. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, I, but I'm I'm going to take the Patriots just because I like what the Raiders was able to do against the the stagnant offense of um, the Saints. But I do think that the Patriots have more firepower than the Saints at this point, so I'm going to take the Patriots. All right, I like the Pats as well. Bears plus three and a half on the road at the team that uh, blew a 25-point lead in a Super Bowl, the team that blew a um, 20-point lead last Sunday in Dallas, a team that became the one in 440-1 in terms of teams since 1933. Give it to them, Turnover stat started to be recorded that scored 39 points with zero turnovers. That team, you know who I'm talking about, and if you want to see 10 photos that perfectly encapsulate the sadness of Falcons fans, you can head over to ESPN1420.com. I have that for you over there. Or the ESPN 1420 app. All right, sorry. Bears plus three and a half at Atlanta. Who you like? I'm taking the Bears. Um, Mitchell Trubisky has played lights out so far. Um, I don't think the Atlanta defense has an answer for Montgomery and Allen Robinson. I think the Bears win this one uh, handedly. It's crazy that I'm saying that, but I definitely think Mitchell Trubisky serves it up to him raw. (laughs) I, you know, Mitch has had like. Two bad quarters, two good quarters, like three bad quarters, three good quarters, two really bad quarters, like up and down in the first half last week. It was like, oh, my gosh, he looked great in the fourth quarter against Detroit. Oh, here he goes. Then the second half, it was like, ooh, ugh, this is gross. What is is this? It's the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, you know I'm picking the Bears. Um, Philadelphia, 0-2. Cincinnati, 0-2. Both of those quarterbacks, when they go to the line, they're saying, kill, kill. <laughs> Our father, who art in heaven. <laughs> oh, my God, hot, hot. I mean, they are they are not um, getting great protection. Let's put it that way. So in a battle of bruised quarterbacks, Philly, five-point favorite against Cincinnati. Who you got in this one? As much as it pains me to say, I think the Eagles are going to get their win uh, against these Bengals, the Burrow Bengals. Uh, they were, their their injuries are insurmountable right now. They they lost, I think, two starting wide receivers. They lost two starting tackles. They they got a lot of injuries to overcome. But I do think they still have enough to beat the Bengals. Now, if they lose this game, though, 
is over with. Blew it up. I think it's done. I think um, Carson Wentz, uh, he's played some bad football up until today. If he plays another bad game, we might start seeing Jalen Hurts start coming out that locker room. That's when Doug Peterson puts a call in Chicago. He's like, hey, uh, can you, can we get Nicky back? Yeah, big Nick. We need him back. Um, San Francisco minus four at the Giants. They're not happy about it. What you got? I, I'm I'm taking San Francisco. Um, I still think the Giants is a bad team. They lost Barkley, uh, Danny Dimes. I still think Danny Dimes is a pedestrian quarterback. I'm not high on him at all. I still think the 49ers, even with uh, is Driscoll, is that's going to be the backup quarterback. No, Driscoll was uh, the backup in uh, in Denver. Who's going to be the backup with the 49ers? Oh, uh, Nick Nick. Uh, yeah, yeah, the guy Southern Nick, Nick Mullen. Um, Laura went to school with him. That's the only reason why I know the guy. Isn't it Nick Mullen? I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's going to be the backup quarterback out of Southern Miss. I still think the 49ers have a good enough team to beat the Giants. I'm, I'm going to pick the 49ers. I, I'm going to take the Giants as my second upset. Um, the Niners traveling cross-country two weeks in a row, not happy about playing on that turf. They, they got decimated by injuries last week. Um, yes, the Giants don't have Saquon, and that's that's big. Uh, but I, I think the Niners are a better team. But a lot of the intangibles outside of this game, I think, kind of shift me more to believe this could be an upset. Pittsburgh hosts Houston, the Steelers, two and zero, minus four against the zero and two Texans. That's the spread. I'm I'm taking the Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, you know, I told everybody Steelers was going to have a top five defense this year. And right now, you know, Deshaun Watson, of all the young quarterbacks, he has the least amount of weapons. Uh, the Texans just haven't been able to put a great team around Deshaun. They traded away their best receiver. Uh, their defense has gotten old. Uh, I just, I just, I don't see any bright spots for the Texans right now. Steelers. The biggest spread in the NFL. This is, this is crazy. This week, the biggest spread in the NFL. The heaviest favorite is the Cleveland Browns. And they play the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. I'm Cleveland minus seven. I'm taking it. Um, just because that defensive line of the Browns, Haskins, uh, you know, he's still finding his way at the quarterback position. It's an easy one. Nick Chubb's probably going to run for like 150 yards. What did we say last week? Just if you run the ball, suddenly Baker's better. Yeah. That's you any, want Baker to win you the game, forget about it. No, that's true. But, like, <laughs> Baker, some quarterbacks can still just win you a game if the running game's not there. He is not one of them. No. I mean, play to your strengths, Cleveland. So, Nick Chubbs, Browns, let's get it done. Yeah, I think Cleveland wins. They're going to take a dump on them. <laughs> uh, all right, here's here's a good matchup. It's in Buffalo. You got two 2-0 teams. Buffalo's playing good. The Rams are playing good. Buffalo is a two-point favorite at home. This is a tough one. Who you got? I got Buffalo because Buffalo defense. Okay, so the Rams, Jared Goff is, is, um, only has, I want to say, like eight yards airtime for most of his throws. So his receivers are doing most of the work. And Buffalo has a better defense. They have uh, Tredavious, a White. They're going to be able to lock down all that, the short stuff. So I'm going to go with the Bills and their defense. And Josh Allen, man, I, he's he has the most yards of all quarterbacks right now. So the guy, and he's running like a Mack truck. 
I don't. Th- yeah, did you see the clip of him like just like throw off two defenders? Oh yeah. I don't want my quarterback doing that. But I did have Josh Allen as my number one rated tight end coming out of that class. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills and he's Josh He's climbing Allen. up your quarterback rankings now. He's climbing. He's a, he's a thoroughbred. QB2 tight end one, Josh Allen. Um, What is he in Yahoo? Fantasy. He's a quarterback. He's number one. He's number <laughs> one. Right. He's the number one fantasy quarterback. Minus three. Um, I, uh, minus three at open. It's minus two. This is a big moment for Buffalo. Like I, I feel like if you go to three and zero now, it's like okay, this is our division. You lose to the Rams at home, it's a big moment for them. I think they're going to get it done, but uh, boy, Aaron Donald is a beast, huh? Man, he's un- I've seen him choke. When once you choke slam Ezekiel Elliott, you've gotten to a new threshold in my book of of angry I mean, men. He gave Drew Brees a high five and broke his thumb. <laughs> the L.A. Chargers. Without their starting quarterback, whose lung was punctured by the team doctor with a giant needle. Allegedly. No, not allegedly. That, that, <laughs> yes. that, 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 that this stuff happened. It's assault. Yeah. Schefter should have tweeted, assault. Chargers minus six and a half at home against Carolina. Panthers 0-2. McCaffrey's not going to be playing. He's hurt. Chargers with Justin Herbert almost beat the Chiefs. Should have beat the Chiefs. But Buckner kicked a 179-yard field goal to end the game. 53, nailed it. Oh, it was a false start. 58, nailed it. Oh, they called the timeout. 58, nailed it. That thing could have been good from 70. Got a boot on him. You got a boot on him. All right, I'm sorry. I was getting back. Chargers, Panthers. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers here. I'm going to take the Chargers, too. Um, I think Teddy P, he's, he's been playing okay. He's been playing okay. I wouldn't say he's been playing great. When hasn't been playing too bad. He's been playing okay. But when you lose Christian McCaffrey, it's, you know, it's, it's not really much you can do. It's not many guys in the league that can replace a guaranteed hundred yards and two touchdowns. All right. um, so I'm taking Chargers. Um, I lied earlier. I was mis- I lied. I was mistaken. I, I didn't look at the full board. I should have known that the biggest spread of the week was not the Browns. That it would be whoever was playing the Jets. Oh, Colts. The Colts open up at minus seven. It's now minus 11. No one thinks the Jets can do anything. Colts, Jets in Indy. I'm taking the Colts. <sighs> Come on, you're not taking the Jets. I'm not taking the Jets. Um, even how bad I want the Colts to just lose because the Colts are a bad team. I hate the uniforms. Like, it's just everything about the Colts. They're not bad. They're good. Uh, I got to pick the Colts in this one. If you got any fantasy players for the Colts, start them all because the Jets are a bad team. It's a bad, bad team. I call them the Trevor Lawrence Jets because that's who they're going to be trying to draft number one overall. Arizona minus six hosting the Detroit Lions. Told you Madden. I told you about that Madden, Scott. Madden don't lie. And the Lions is bad on Madden. So I'm picking the cards. To beat the Lions, and it's gonna, it's they're gonna pour it on them. Does Matt Patricia even last the season? No, he doesn't. Because Matthew Stanford hasn't been playing bad. It's just a bad team, and especially after that end zone drop touchdown by uh, whatever the running back Sheed. Is. Yeah, Swift. That wasn't Swift. Swift. That's it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what you call him, Sheen? Sheed. I, I was thinking of a defensive anyway. Yeah. Uh, Swift. But he dropped that touchdown, so it's like. Detroit's going to be Detroit, and I'm going to bet with Detroit. 
and against Detroit. The cards. Uh, yep, I like Arizona to start 3-0. and 3-0. Oh. Oh. Kyle Murray's balling. MVP candidate. Seattle and Dallas. I'm taking the Seahawks at home to beat the Cowboys, who, shoo, who would be 0-2 if they were playing anyone last week other than the Atlanta Falcons. Dak Prescott looked great, but Russell Wilson has looked even better. I'm picking the Cowboys because I have faith Seattle, this is my this is my unbiased reasons. Okay. Seattle has had problems with slot receivers. They have given up over 140 yards to each slot receiver in the past two weeks. C.D. Lamb went over for 100 yards last week. I think the passing attack of the Cowboys will be enough to win a shootout against the Seattle Seahawks, which they got into it with Cam. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think the Cowboys finally get a statement win against the Seattle Seahawks. Denver hosting Tampa Bay. If the lock don't have an ER key, you throw it away. And now he's not going to be playing, but I just wasn't sold on Drew Locke, so I can't pick Denver to win this game. Mm. If it don't got an ER key, throw it away. Yeah, it's not going to be a pretty game, but Tampa Bay is going to win. Tampa Bay is going to win. Don't if it don't got an E or a key, throw it away. All right, the uh, Saints and the Packers. Saints a three point favorite. Taking the Saints, they haven't lost back to back games in over three years. I'm taking the team in. Uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, this is again. This is going to be a big test of that Saints uh, defensive line. They haven't given up a hundred yard passer. I think in like 41 games now. And counting Aaron Jones, he he put up 160 yards on the Detroit Lions. Now, I don't think he runs for that much against the Saints, but it would be nice to see, uh, you know, what he's able to do against the Saints out of the backfield, receiving and rushing. You always know when Aaron Rodgers shows up, uh, you know, you never know what to expect. The guy is a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have any receivers, but... You know, the Saints cornerbacks haven't played well, so I'm I'm going to take the Packers. I think the Packers are going to win this one and go 3-0 on top of that NFC North. Baltimore and Kansas City is your Monday night game. The Ravens Woo! host minus three against the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Taking the Ravens. I think that defense is stout enough to give uh, that Ferrari a little car trouble. I think that the defense on the Chiefs got a little bit exposed with the Chargers, and I think that the Ravens will be able to run the football at will against the Chiefs, and it's going to bring the the threshold of errors down for uh, Lamar Jackson. I think they're going to be able to manage the clock a lot better with J.K. and Mark Ingram. I just think they're going to just pound people to death. I'll take Baltimore as well. So we um, agree on a dozen we disagree on Saints, Packers, Dallas, Seattle, New York, San Francisco, and what was the other one? Tennessee, Minnesota. Tennessee, Minnesota. All right. We will see. Those are our picks for week three. That's Norman Locke. I'm Scott Prather. We'll go through the Cajuns and the Tigers and what they have coming up this weekend. If you're joining us late, we'll give you a rundown on the Cajuns depth chart and some players that they will uh, be without Coming up this weekend due to COVID-19 issues. Don't go anywhere. TSPN1420.com.
Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank. Catch Norman Locke. Tomorrow? With G? Yes, sir. Fridays at uh, On the Word four. with G from 3 to 4. Sunday mornings, his show, The Morning Lock-In, 8 to 10 a.m. The biggest the biggest troll. I, I, I feel like I don't troll as much as some of of the other people, but I get some good trolls. You're gonna get you're gonna get like a funny a funny meme out of me, and you're gonna get a joke that you might not understand at the first. Amount of, but you're gonna get it later. You're gonna as you're walking home, you know, you're like, oh, that's what Norman said. <laughs> the amount of hooks that you throw out on Twitter during the Saints game, Ooh. I'm like, this dude. I mean, I know what you're doing, <laughs> but I nod my head, I shake my head because I see so many people. Bite the hook every time. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's what he wants. That's what I want. Like, yeah, Dubreeze looks awesome. He does right now. Ha ha, gotcha. Boom. Hook, line, and sinker. Like, <sighs> hey, how many catches does Emmanuel Sanders have? Emmanuel Sanders, he just needs to find pow. Gotcha. One catch. My, my, and I'm a sting. You know, it's like sitting. Uh, All you do is you find, like, no one plays a perfect game, and if if it's a if they happen to play close to one, you just pull something historically and throw it out there just to tick someone off, and you know, That's right? You know, it's a it's it's annoying, but it's an art form. I guess. But see, but the one thing that I'm I am different from other people, I will stay on a timeline and I will entertain slander back towards me. So when the Cowboys game was going on, I didn't run off the timeline like most people don't answer their phone or go hiding for two days. Like, I got a, a friend of mine who's, like, diehard Tom Brady fan, and when the Saints beat the Bucks, we couldn't find him for a week. Like, he didn't return a phone call. He didn't change his fantasy lineup. He it's just, just one. It's just one game. It's a regular season game. Some people can't take the troll. When You, you have to be able to take it if you're going to dish it. No, and, that's, that's true. You know, some people can't take it. So it's like, you know, I'm, I could give out as many jokes as possible because I could take as many as possible. I Except mean, losing to the Falcons. That one would have, whew, I wouldn't have been able to been face-to-face with you this morning. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Speaking of sad faces, the 10 photos that encapsulate the sadness of Falcons fans. I've got it for you over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. You can check it out over there. Did Have you see Julio a nice looking at Dan Dan Quinn like I'll punch you in the face right now? <laughs> I think Julio has an allergy to the end zone. There's something he just he's allergic to it. I, I must. What, what me and one of my friends were saying is, I think he's just over the culture out there. Like I think he's mentally. I think Julio is, is checked out of the Atlanta Falcons. I I truly think so. I think like he doesn't care no more. He's like. I've brought this franchise to his first Super Bowl in however many years. You got me with this bum Matt Ryan who doesn't like seasoned food. Like, you you paired me up with four different running backs that all just didn't work. I mean, they got first-round draft picks across the board. They got talent on the team. They just, they're the Falcons. I mean, if he's checked out, that's on him. I mean, if you're the best player, one of the highest-paid players in the league, you got to, you can't check out. I mean, you, you got you to gotta be a leader. I think it's okay. I, I I'm okay with Julio checking out because after, like, how can you trust your coach, Scott? After the debacle in the Super Bowl, and then this this last debacle against the Cowboys, I can't trust nothing he tells me. 
Like, you can't fire me up. Okay, we're down, fellas. We got this. I don't believe you. <laughs> I've been here before. I don't believe you. We got the lead, fellas. We got this. I don't believe you, Dan. We have been here before. We got... We're going to call in Ty Gurley. We're going to pay him, you know, we're going to give him the other $8 million that the Rams supposed to give him. He's going to contribute. Well, he's had 55 yards. I don't believe you, Dan. So I, I, if I'm a Falcons player, you got to get rid of him because I, I've, I'm completely checked right, when out. You, on when him. you keep a coach that was on the hot seat, as soon as the next season starts, it's already hot. So it's like. It's been hot since that was, that was a 2017 Super Bowl? 2016 season. Super Bowl in January or February 2017, yeah. You cannot get on the, like Shannon Sharp said, you, I wouldn't let you on the plane. You can't get on the plane with me after a debacle like that. And you're known for it? Everybody knows our team's identity as non-winners. I can't even say losers, but non-winners. Hmm. Your, your, your franchise is best known for historical losses. For historical losses. I can't, like... Yes, it falls on the players ultimately, but the coaches, man, like you, I can't go to war with you knowing that in the in the most crucial of situations, you're going to be the reason we're going to lose. Because that again, that mental lapse of the players not grabbing the ball, situational football, bro. Like everybody knows the the receiving team can touch the ball at any point. Except the Falcons. <laughs> Except the Falcons. <laughs> All right, let's dig into uh, the Cajuns for a moment. Um, you can read more about this over at ESPN1420.com. Welcoming in Georgia Southern. And uh, this Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff, 9 a.m. pregame right here, ESPN1420.com via Learfield IMG College. Um, due to HIPAA laws, UL coaches can't specify the players that are out for COVID-19 reasons. But if you look at the depth chart that's released and you see players that typically are on it that aren't and aren't listed as injuries, you can figure it out. Elijah Mitchell. Running back, right tackle Max Mitchell, defensive tackle nose guard Taylon Humphrey, a.k.a. Big Sauce, linebacker Joe Dillon, cornerback A.J. Washington. These are five key starters not going to be available Saturday. Your uh, primary backup quarterback, Ave Magali, and your reserve defensive tackle, Sonny Hazard, are all not listed on the depth chart. In addition, Chris Moncrief is out with an upper body injury. Uh, Dante Fleming, true freshman, who you've seen in the mix offensively is questionable right now with a uh, lower body injury. So, yeah, uh, reserve uh, safety Cam Solomon, um, backup kicker Kenny, Kenny uh, Almendarez. They're not on the depth chart as usual. Um, Thomas Leo, a transfer from FIU, is listed as the primary kicker backup right now. So you're looking at double, uh, you know, double-digit number of players being out, including six starters. You got some adversity you're going to have to play through. And um, the most important thing is keeping the team healthy first and foremost. That goes without saying. It's not going to be easy, especially not with uh, you know all, all the key players you're going to be missing. While Georgia Southern, to this point anyway, is expecting to have the bulk of their roster after and not having a third of it in Week One. Yeah, it's going to be a test of of um, you know next man up uh, this week with the Cajuns. This is the first home game. <clears throat> you know, I think. The support of the fans and their family and the students, because I think only family, students, and season ticket holders are allowed in Cajun Field. It's only going to be at a 20% capacity. But just having your family back there uh, rooting you on right now in the midst of all this is going on, I think can give us a little bit of an edge. 
Uh, so with that next man up mentality, you know, with your family back there rooting you on, I think it's, it's give you a little bit extra push to to go through. But that triple option, man, again, we got to play sound gap football um, and stuff those gaps, man. Stuff those gaps. That's Norman Locke. Catch him tomorrow on the War with G at 3. Catch him Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. The morning lock-in. Norman, always have fun chatting football and other stuff with you. Have a good Thursday. Yes, sir. You too, Scott. Beyond the Game with Steve Pelequin's next. Don't go anywhere. Cool.